Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week I'm part of a great program called the Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mendenhall and Pete Carroll. And every Thursday, a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So this is what you have to do. Just follow the Ringer MMA show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NFL show. I'm Nora Pinciotti. I am here on draft night with Steven Ruiz. Steven, round one in the books. How you doing? We were uh, talking about it before we started recording. We were promised a dumb draft and we got a dumb draft. And a dumb. dumb draft is the best kind of draft. It was weird. It was eaglesy. There's good stuff all around. Um, I really had fun. It, we had a round one of surprises of quarterback storylines. You really can't ask for more than that. Um, definitely some unexpected stuff in here and a lot to go through. Uh, we're going to kind of just break down sort of the five biggest storylines from the night. Although I guess I should say the day because we actually have to start with a story that did not take place during the draft, but breaking news that we got this afternoon, which is that Lamar Jackson is is a Raven, you know, forevermore uh, or for at least five years during which they are going to pay him two hundred and sixty million dollars. Lamar uh, is now the highest paid player in the NFL. They got all of that worked out, all happy feelings in Baltimore. And then pick 23 rolls around. And they add Zay Flowers to the mix, which I thought was a really, really exciting draft pick. Steven, you are sort of our Lamar Jackson correspondent, I think. <laughs> so uh, how has this day been for you? I'm sure just a whirlwind of emotions. What, how are you feeling? I, I feel like the world is normal again. Like everything makes sense again. Lamar Jackson finally got the money he deserved. Uh, I mean, a good deal for the Ravens, for, for Lamar Jackson. It, I don't know. We haven't seen like the structure of the deal yet. We don't know how much of that 180 whatever million is is actually guaranteed. But it seems like he he made out just fine without a, without an agent, which is also a good uh, a nice happy ending to this. Because 
I mean, it would have been sad to see like Lamar get taken advantage of, but I I don't think that happened. Yeah, no, totally. It, it it's sort of interesting because for all of the, you know, this dragged out for so long, and it was such a big story, and he asked for a trade, and there were so many sort of dramatic tension moments and points when. It didn't just seem like this got really messy. It it did. This was a complicated and and sometimes um, I think nerve wracking negotiation and situation for the people involved. But the thing that's a little bit interesting to me is that at the end of the day, the quarterback market is doing what it always does, which is moving incrementally upwards with new deals that are very good for the players who sign them but don't necessarily like shift a paradigm in the way that maybe at one point Lamar was hoping to with something that would have um, uh, been a more fully guaranteed deal in, in the manner of what Deshaun Watson got. What ended up happening was he got Jalen Hurts' deal plus $5 million, which is a really, really, really strong contract. And then, yeah, you factor in in that he's probably pocketing an extra, you know, $5 million or something off of that, depending on what he's paying the people who do advise him um, just by saving agents fees. So I, I think all in all a relatively happy ending, especially when you combine it with the fact that this offense looks like it's turning into something that we haven't seen right. when Lamar's been in, in Baltimore. What do you think about the Zay flowers pick? I really like it. I like, I think it's another type of receiver to go. I think he compliments Odell Beckham and I think Odell Beckham compliments Rashad Bateman. And then you have Mark Andrews in the middle of it. Now we're going to get to see Lamar in a real passing game for the, for the first <laughs> time since Louisville. Really? Uh, we're going to get to see 11 personnel, three receivers on the field. No more Patrick Ricard. Like Patrick R- <laughs> Ricard tweeted out like this offense is going to be scary, buddy. I hope you're not you're on the not field for it. <laughs> yeah. I hope you're excited to watch it. Get ready wow. for Las Vegas. You're getting traded to the Raiders, buddy. Uh, play with oh. Jimmy G. But no, it's it's going to be fun to see what uh, Todd Munkin puts together. He has air raid roots. He has, he's been in college offenses. He's designed uh, successful downfield passing offenses in Tampa Bay with Jameis Winston. I, I'm really excited. that This is a team that I think has a chance to win in the, the AFC. I think they're a Super Bowl contender if Lamar stays healthy. Mm-hmm. Last year when he was healthy, it was the best version we've ever seen of him, even going back to 2019 when he won MVP. And now he has the best array of talent around him in, in terms of skill position players. It, we've always wanted to see them prioritize the passing game a little bit more, and it's been hard because of the personnel. But it seems like, the monk and higher and embracing that style of offense has sort of allowed the front office to make, to get some players there to, to make some investments through the draft financially with Odell. It's not necessarily an excuse for not having done it sooner, but it does show you how those things kind of go hand in hand. And right. it makes me more confident that they're really going to embrace some changes to what they do stylistically on offense. And it, I'm I'm excited to watch the Ravens. I'm really pumped to watch the yes. Ravens this fall. I agree with you. Um, there's a really high ceiling on that team. The AFC is hard. That's, that's going to be a gauntlet. There's going to be some right. good teams that do not make the playoffs. Meanwhile, the NFC is... We got to like... This is getting to the point where we have to do something about this. Like Right. About competitive <laughs> balance in the... In the- NFC, especially after the draft the Eagles just had. 
Like, Seriously. It's, it's it, getting ridiculous. Like, I think we like we could put together a team and win the and the, win like the NFC South right now. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's going to be bad. Like, there's going to be just a wretched team playing on Saturday of wildcard weekend. And none of us are going to be happy about it. So it's going to be like slot receiver. <laughs> are you playing quarterback? Who's who's QB one? No, on, I'm, not, I'm not playing quarterback. I'm sitting on the sideline. And, uh, it's Danny Kelly. I feel like he has the size, the prototypical yeah, size. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I like that. I like that. I like yeah, that. Um, I would like to take on the Patrick Ricard role and just stay as far away from <laughs> it as possible. All in all, good day for Baltimore. They don't pick again until number 86, but I think uh, Eric DeCosta's got to feel like he put in a, in a good day's work and everyone seems pretty happy over there. Yeah, especially with like how that defense ended the season. They almost won that Bengals game with Tyler Huntley. If Huntley doesn't fumble at the goal line, <laughs> they win that game. And it's because of the defense. So I think their defense is already in a good spot. You don't really have to worry about adding to it. I think it's going to be fine. And then we've talked about the offense. And, and Lamar in space is... Lamar gets to be in play in space. One of the greatest spa- space players we've ever seen finally gets to play in space. I, I really think this team is like... They put it together. This was a good offseason. And it looked bad at the beginning. Yeah, it, it really is remarkable how much they've like completely changed the narrative. Um, and and I actually don't think that it's sort of patched together with duct tape, right? It it's a five year yeah. deal. It's a long term commitment. He he really got paid, and they've done meaningful things offensively. Um, your point about the defense too is a good one because they changed so much after they did the deal for Roquan Smith and and that really opened up what they were able to do, I would imagine it gets even better with an off season, right? Like where they can yeah. continue to integrate that again, they can, can add more um, in the later rounds too, but it would have been really upsetting if we'd gone into 2023 with just this like weird, bad, Lamar-less or like angry Lamar Ravens team. And I'm glad that we don't have to do that. Yeah. Another team that made a move at quarterback, uh, the Houston Texans who were smoke screening all along, apparently. And the, the, in at the number two slot, they just went ahead and took CJ Stroud. Um, do you think that they were just planning on doing this all along or, was this somehow like a sudden we're worried about Will Levis's toe injury? Like, what do you think happened here? Cause it seems like this was what, this was the first major surprise. I've, I've never seen the, the Kevin Costner movie, the draft movie, but I've heard draft of the day. plot. Yeah. And it sounds like the Texans basically did what Kevin Costner did in that draft. Like, yeah, they got the best of both worlds. I think they, they paid a little too much to do it, but I really think D'Amico Ryan's wanted Will Anderson Jr. And I think like the ownership side, the front office side wanted a quarterback and everyone's happy. And that's all that matters. Uh, The Texans are so early in this rebuild process that I don't really think it matters giving up picks. You just got to acquire fundamental players. And I think they got two fundamental players. I do not agree. I think it matters a lot because the Texans are so early in this rebuild thing. That so they took CJ Stroud at, at two and then they traded up with Arizona to number three to take Will Anderson. Um, in the process, they gave up the number 12 pick, uh, 33, 
and a first rounder in 2024. That yeah, that I'm was a little sh- much. I'm not sure I've seen clarity on whether or not that's their first rounder or if it's the Browns, but it doesn't matter. Either way, that could be like very easily a top five pick. I I guess it depends on how you feel about these two players. Like CJ Stroud, I'm not the highest on CJ Stroud, but if you're willing to pick him number two, I'm assuming the Texans think he's like a franchise player. And then Will Anderson, I am high on Will Anderson. I think he's a blue chip player and he's one of the few blue chip talents in this draft and they got one. So I, I mean, I, I never like trading up. Yeah. And like Stroud is, is I'm proud of them for taking Stroud. And again, maybe I'm being manipulated here and they were planning to do it all along, but all of the reports about, well, maybe they just won't take a quarterback at two. Maybe they can wait till 12. It's fine. It was all so concerning that I'm proud of them for just doing the smart thing, doing the right thing, drafting a quarterback with the second pick. I like Will Anderson too. Better be good. That guy better be a really good football player because you just, there is more randomness and more luck and more difficulty to predict how players are going to pan out than any of us like to admit. And you gave up a first round pick next year. Like the Texans are going to be bad. Does Nick Casario they don't, they not think that. they're going to be bad? I, I honestly really don't like think they CJ think like Stroud. that. Uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't have taken Stroud with that pick. I, I wouldn't have made the trade up, but I do understand like the need to to add blue chip talent because they just don't have any. And at, at the end of the day, you have to like sell tickets. You have to sell your fans on something. And if you're not going to win a Super Bowl, maybe that's, that's the sh- short-term goal is building up some goodwill with that fan base because I don't think they have it. I think they need it. So I don't know. That's the only way I could justify it. I don't agree with it, but they got two very good players that you could be optimistic about. But after, I mean, there were impact players that they could have been optimistic about available at pick number 12 or after pick number 12. It just, it's just a little, it's, it's, it's a little bit reckless to me, and I don't like to see a team in the phase that the Texans are in being reckless. But again, it I'm is, happy that it's they a got weird a phase. It's a weird phase they're in. But I don't, I don't know what else like to say. Nick it's Casario the Texans. Like, the, did you he gets expect those crazy them to... eyes? He gets those crazy eyes where it looks like he hasn't <laughs> slept in nine weeks. I'm just a little bit like, oh, buddy, like, uh, what, are, what are we doing here? Um, I, I feel a little bit. Uh, I'm impressed at how well it does seem like they smoke screened the stuff with CJ Stroud, not only because I feel like I fell for it, but it seems like other teams did too. Diana Rossini reported that um, the Titans were trying to work a trade to number three instead of the Texans. But when Houston picked CJ Stroud at, at two, the Titans had made an offer to Arizona and pulled it presumably because they were interested in Stroud and didn't think that he would go to Houston. Um, It does make me wonder sort of what they thought about what they thought Indianapolis wanted to do, who they, so if they wanted to take Stroud there, if they thought that that Houston would have taken Levis or or what the like inter-team information brokering was like there, but it's not just us that they fooled. 
Uh, it seems like they <laughs> did a pretty good job of disguising this around the league. And that's always fun. I love subterfuge. So, you know, I guess you can get away with with trading up for an edge rusher and giving up a first round pick that might be an incredibly valuable pick if you can. He just he just Titans. better be Von Miller. That's what I had in my notes. He yeah, better be that's Von Miller. not good. That's like not a good thing to do. <laughs> You don't ever want to turn on a draft card and be like, this guy better be Von Miller or this pick is going to be bad because most of the time he's not going to be Von Miller. But all the best to Will Anderson. D'Amico Ryan deserves to have, you know, a real blue chip talent that he can can bring along and coach. And I wish them the best. It's a treat for D'Amico. Yeah. And again, he deserves it. We love D'Amico Ryan's. Uh, someone who did not have a great draft night. Will Levis falls out of the first round because Sale Reliable lied to us. May, no, Sale Reliable. Maybe he meant the first or the second round. First pick of the second round. <laughs> no, he said the but Panthers. The, but no, because he said the he Panthers. The, the Panthers, Panthers yeah. don't have the the same. I mean, maybe he was Pittsburgh. Another P word. I don't know. Sale Reliable. Sale unreliable, more like it. Boom. <laughs> Hate that guy. <laughs> How dare he? Um, what did you think about? I I was pretty shocked by this. Um, it, it's surprising to me that Hendon Hooker didn't go in the first round either. Uh, but particularly Levis, who we got to see all the the green room, sad, weird, awkward shots of him sitting there with with his family um if, did you feel like you uh, saw this coming at all or had any rhyme or reason to what was going on with levis no no i had no idea he was going to slide this far i thought he would go as high as three maybe even two there's talk of that but apparently like there's concern about his toe which was an issue throughout the season he was apparently playing he was getting injections before games so that makes it a little more understandable and but it, it's hard to reconcile that, like a toe injury, which Levis says is fine. Levis says he's going to be fine. There's apparently some disagree, a disagreement between what he thinks and what team doctors think. Right. But there's a lot of talk about like Hendon Hooker, or there was a lot of talk about Hendon Hooker going in the first round, and he's coming off a torn ACL, a major knee surgery. So I, I don't know. It's it's tough to reconcile those things. I don't know if that is really this, the reason for the slide, or the NFL just wasn't as high on him as... I guess insiders made us believe, but I, he's a big, strong quarterback who throws the ball a million miles. Like yeah. that guy usually goes in the first usually round. Usually they love that guy. And he what? has experience in a pro style offense. He's called plays. He's been in the McVay offense, which is like basically the NFL offense at this point. I, I It must be the toe. Or the NFL hates, hates, suddenly hates jacked people. There's a, a war on musculature. This is this yes. is like the the uh, all the like super conservative websites talk about like the 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 softening of American men. <laughs> There's a I crisis, <laughs> and it's gotten Will Levis to fall out of the first round. A five ten, um, 190 pound quarterback went first overall. Maybe maybe you're onto something there. Wow, wow, <laughs> makes you think. Just asking <laughs> questions. Stay woke, people. Um. The other question that that it poses to me is just, are there a lot of teams that 
think they don't need quarterbacks that maybe we might look at them and go, are you so sure about that? Um, Because we can talk about this too, but you know, the lions, the Seahawks, even the Raiders teams that had high picks, um, commanders, bucks, they, a lot of these teams that I think we've spent a lot of time talking about going, you're in you're in position. And in some cases, particularly Seattle and Detroit, they had high picks that because the teams are good, it seems unlikely they'll be drafting in, in you know, five or six overall anytime soon. Um, it made it seem pretty enticing, the idea that they could could maybe end up with one of the top quarterbacks. Obviously, all of those teams passed on that opportunity in, in some way, shape or form. Seattle at five, uh, you know, Richardson did not fall to them. Um, and maybe if they'd had that opportunity, this would be a slightly different conversation. But in general, even the Vikings, it just seems like a lot of those teams said, oh, no, it's OK. We don't need to we don't need to deal with this right now. Regardless of what you think about Will Levis in particular, and obviously the toe is sort of an outside factor that we don't have perfect clarity on in terms of how far apart are the opinions between some team doctors and what Will Levis says? What is the actual, you know, how bad is it? Um, it, Regardless of what you think about Will Levis, I am curious how we look back on all of those decisions by those teams to not take a quarterback when they could have um, just given who's on the roster now um, in Seattle. How dare you bring up Seattle? Are you a Geno? No, suppress- I was Are about you to a- say something nice. I was about to say okay, something okay. nice. Seattle. I'm not really mad about it. Yeah. I mean, I again, like if it would be a different conversation, if they'd had a shot at, at Anthony Richardson, it just didn't work out that way. I think right. that was always going to be the nature of the number five slot. It was, it was either, you get to take a quarterback or you get to take whoever, you know, one of the most impactful defensive players. Um, and they got to take Devin Witherspoon. I I would imagine they're super happy with that. He's a little bit smaller than the sort of prototypical Pete Carroll Seahawks cornerback, but super, super aggressive player. I mean, Danny Kelly always says that he plays like a maniac. Like I, it's hard for me to think about, um, what seems more sea hockey and Pete Carroll-y than that. So that's great. And then they, they come back at 20 and take Jackson Smith and Jigba, which seems super fun as a compliment to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Gino being like one of the big winners of the draft is awesome to me because he's, he's done more than some other quarterbacks, <clears throat> Jared Goff, who we can talk about in a second. And I have no problem with them saying, yeah, no, let's, let's, let's invest around him because it fell that way and see how far we can take this. I think that's, that makes sense for what they're doing. I think in some other cases, some of the teams that were further down the board, but then in particular, when you look at what the lions did, I think they missed an opportunity, (laughs) even if it's Will Levis, like, we know how the Jared Goff story ends. And if you're not going to focus on premium positions, then like, what are we doing here? Um, but I like the G I like the Gino thing. I love what they, I love what Seattle did. So you're not a Gino suppressant person. You're confirming that. 
No, I'm not a I'm okay. a Geno suppressant person. Yeah, there there are a couple of people out there that that don't want to see Geno succeed. But it is interesting because the Lions picked third in the second round, so the Lions will have another crack at this. And I right. don't think they can afford to pass it up. And let two spots after them, it gets really interesting because the Rams pick, and the Rams not only are might be in the need of a quarterback in the next few years. But you have the Liam Cohen connection. He was the offensive coordinator there last yeah. year. The year before that, he obviously coached Will Levis at Kentucky. They ran the same system. Perfect fit. Like onboarding would be would wouldn't take much time. I, I think that's that's a spot. If he gets past the Lions at 34, I would not be surprised if the Rams run that pickup. And I mean, obviously, Stafford's health is such a big question. They do not unless something with like John Wolford has changed that I've missed. I believe they do not have a backup quarterback on their roster right now. So that would be really, really interesting, especially because I think that would come as a bit of a surprise because no one expected Levis to still be here at this point. Um, If he didn't go to the Rams, the, the Seahawks are right after them, the Raiders, even the saints and then the Titans, like it's hard to, it's hard to imagine the slide would continue very far into the second round just because you have quite a big cluster of quarterback needy teams there. Plus, there's always, you know, between now and and whenever the Steelers get on the clock with 32, um, teams can w- make whatever calls if somebody wanted to trade up and get him. But it's it's still, I mean, that's probably the biggest surprise of round one. Um, and obviously, you always feel, I always feel half bad for the guy who's sitting there getting all of the camera shots and then half like, well, this is better TV than if this wasn't happening. So I'm mean, but. <laughs> That's the Darren Revelle. Thank Revel. you to like, Will feel, Levis for like. I feel making, bad for, I feel bad for Will Levis, but this is tremendous this content. Is really he did good this. television. You Darren Revelle this. It's also, I feel bad saying this, but like he doesn't. He doesn't look like Will Levis's vibe does not inspire sympathy. No, no. He, I'm sure he's a very nice man, but like he's doing weird stuff with bananas and putting mayonnaise in his coffee. And like everyone is just so blonde. Just like, I don't know, man. Again, I'm being very harsh. All love to Will Levis. I'm very sorry. You're going to have a great career. Um, uh, and then we'll we'll have to see where Hendon Hooker goes, too but some opportunities for teams to keep going quarterback. Um, should we talk a little bit more about the Seahawks? Let's do it. What do you think of, um, do you want to talk about Witherspoon or, or JSN? Uh, let's talk about Witherspoon. I really like this pick. I know he's undersized and you don't usually see undersized corners go that high, but I like the fit with Tariq Woolen. I like having different body types, different play styles at cornerback. That's something like Pete Carroll didn't have during the first Legion of Boom. They had two big guys. They had, uh, Richard Sherman, they had Brandon Browner. And I feel like this gives them a little more flexibility. And I think it allows Pete Carroll to be a little more diverse with his defense. So I really like that pick a lot. Wasn't the part of why it was the Legion of Boom was because they were all so big. So I don't know. Yeah. Could this have, maybe this we have to come up with a different nickname? Yeah, it's not Legion of Boom. Yeah. You can't be like five nine and, and be calling yourself the Legion it's of like Boom. It's like Legion of Whoosh. We'll workshop it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You go back to the drawing board. 
<laughs> scratch that. We can just cut this part out. Um, but yeah, it, it was. It, I thought that they were gonna go um, defensive line if it wasn't right a quarterback there. But uh, you know, that's that's such a part of Pete Carroll's history as a coach. There is is coaching those DBs. So I, I thought it was a great pick too. Um, and that was sort of a missing piece for them. Um, just getting all the pieces to fit together on defense for them was, was so variable last year. And if the offense feels pretty stable, um, with a full off season with, with Gino and, and picking up where they left off last year, it'll be interesting to watch what they do with that defense next year. They've talked about all of this stuff where they want to play like three safeties sometimes. And I'm like, it, it's right. coming into picture sort of what they want to do. It's going to be a really, really interesting unit. I don't quite feel like I've wrapped my head around what they're, what they're trying, but they're starting to have a lot of interesting pieces and it could be pretty cool. Yeah. And I, I think JSN like provides that same type of versatility on the other side of the ball. You have DK Metcalf, the big deep threat on the outside. You have Tyler Lockett, the small deep threat on, on the outside. Now you have a guy that can get open. And I think that's what they didn't have last year. They didn't have a guy that you can rely on to win a route like five to 10 yards downfield and, and move the change on thir third and seven. DK is not that. Tyler Lockett, he's too small. He's not going to win those contested catches. JSN is a guy that just gets open. I think he said that in his uh, his press conference. That's that's what he does best. He gets open, and that's something they needed. That's something Geno Smith needed. It's funny because it it couches a little bit against. I'm sorry for what I'm about to say. If there's any sort of regression from Geno, which I'm not predicting, uh, but. It, Gino started last year playing really, really well and then kept adding like already really well and, and efficiently and in a really good version of what he'd sort of historically been as as a quarterback. And then he started adding these layers of a little bit more mobility and a little bit more downfield passing. And hopefully all of that continues to be a part of his game. I have no good reason to think that it wouldn't be, but because historically that hadn't been as, as much in his tool bag, if he does end up over a longer period of time, emphasizing shorter middle of the field, that stuff, JSN's a great receiver for that. Like he's going to be open right. over the middle. He's going to be just really, really savvy in those short and intermediate spaces. And that combination, you know, uh, the old Gino can can thrive with that. Right. So I, I love that pick. I thought that they might end up trading out of 20 um, just because it did seem like the start to that wide receiver run that it wound up being. But the Seahawks staying put and doing that is really cool. And if they're going to stick with him there, they should do this. They should keep adding layers to the offense and they should you know, they shouldn't just prioritize defense just because they were so good offensively last year. So they seem like, and they, they have more premium picks too. Um, but they and the lions were those teams where it was like, Oh, they've got so much. We might come out around one being like, 
won awesome drafts. Um, Detroit's draft was a little bit more questionable to me. So I think the Seahawks are like the big winner. The Seahawks and the Eagles, maybe. But I, I loved their draft. Yeah. And I think JSN is going to contribute right away. I think he's the type of player that doesn't need a huge runway to catch up to the NFL. I, I, I think Witherspoon might take some time. Rookie corners always have problems, Willen notwithstanding. But JSN is a player that I think is going to help them. And the NFC is wide open. Like we were talking about, the NFC is wide open outside of Philadelphia, Seattle, depending on what happens with San Francisco at quarterback, which is always a question with them. Seattle might be the second best team in the NFC or the third Seriously. best team. I, Dallas is probably better than them right now, but like San Francisco, they were competing with them in, in the three games that they played last year. So, I mean, go for it, Seattle. This is, they have a chance. As long as you get in the playoffs, you have a chance in this NFC. That'll be really fun to watch. There's a bunch of teams that are going to be really exciting to watch next season, uh, which we can talk about. But first, I want to tell you that we are supported by YouTube and YouTube TV, the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. So if you're going to be watching NFL Sunday Ticket, you're going to be watching on YouTube and YouTube TV. So now's your chance to catch their lowest full season price. Get $100 off when you sign up at youtube.com slash ringer NFL. And we've seen some things in the draft already that are getting us excited for this year's NFL season. Uh, so, Stephen, I'm wondering which four teams you're most excited to watch on NFL Sunday Ticket this year. I'm pretty sure Seattle's going to be one of them. But give me four others, because on NFL Sunday Ticket, you can stream up to four games at once so you won't miss a thing. Who would be another three teams in that four-team display? One, we've already covered the Ravens. I just think this is going to be so fun to watch. No matter how well the offense performs, I just think watching it come together, watching Lamar in an, an offense we've never seen him in at the NFL level. We've never seen him in what I would call a prototypical NFL offense. Usually there's three receivers on the field for an offense, and I think he finally gets to play in that. And I think we're going to see a different, a different style of quarterbacking from him this year. Uh, another one, I was going to say the Lions, but now the Lions have kind of lost their luster <laughs> after the after the first round. But I, I still think there's a lot to 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 look forward to. They still have a, a great offensive line. James Williams, when he comes back, it's been a bad couple of weeks for them. But Jameson Williams, when he comes back. They're in real danger of, of getting their like football nerd favorite team card revoked. Right. It's it's not good. But like they're drafting a lot of running backs, but positional value does not matter when you're watching the NFL on Sunday. Like when I'm enjoying Sunday ticket, I'm not thinking about That's positional true. value. So I, I will enjoy the Lions offense. Uh, the Chargers, the Chargers. I like the, the Chargers. Chargers. They have Justin Herbert. They gave him a downfield threat finally in Quentin Johnson. So the Chargers are, are another team. All right. Tell, tell the truth, though. How happy Quentin Johnson runs like about a four five. He's sort of like Mike Williams. How happy were you with that pick? No. Yeah. But I think he's a playmaker. I think he plays okay. a different style. I think he could do more after the catch. So I, I think there are, there is a lot of overlap, but I do think he brings a different element that I, I, I think Justin Herbert is going to be able to take advantage of. I, it's always exciting to watch the chargers. Exciting or horrifying. But again, when you can watch four teams at once, you don't have to worry so much about, you know, being being let down by weirdly stagnant offense. But Kellen Moore, the, the sky's the limit. I'd throw, look, while we're throwing positional value out the window, I'd throw the Falcons in there. I mean, again, 
the value's not perfect, but adding Bijan Robinson to that offense, I think seems really exciting. Um, and the Eagles who had a great draft. So lots and lots of teams. Thanks to NFL Sunday Ticket on YouTube and YouTube TV for sponsoring this segment. If you're as into football as we are, it's time to sign up for NFL Sunday Ticket on YouTube and YouTube TV so you can watch it all go down this fall. Check out your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games and stream up to four games at once with MultiView exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. Get $100 off when you sign up today at youtube.com slash ringer NFL. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends on June 6th. No refunds. Device restrictions apply. Oh, hold up. Smell test. Go ahead. Sniff those pits. Now your bits. Feet, toes, come on. Could be fresher, right? It's all good. Old Spice Total Body Deodorant Spray is gentle enough to use all over your body, giving you 24-7 lasting freshness with daily use, from pits to toes and down below. So every smell test gets a... (sighs) Shop for Old Spice Total Body Deodorant. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Falcons, Bijan Robinson, a little bit about the Lions, because another thing that happened tonight is that two running backs went in the top 12 of the draft, uh, Bijan number eight to Atlanta, and then Jameer Gibbs, one of the biggest surprises at number 12 to Detroit. Um, Atlanta first. I don't want to have the running back conversation. They're probably leaving money on the table. It's fine. It's not our money. I mean, I, I don't want to say it doesn't matter. We know it, it matters. Um, because at a certain point, no matter how good Bijan ends up being, uh, there's a world in which if, if you have a great pass rusher, you're saving yourself $30 million or $20 million or whatever. And you're just not doing that with a running back. Um, that said, this is going to be fun. Atlanta does not care about positional value and their offense could be really, really exciting. And we are go- going to learn a lot about Desmond Ritter pretty quickly. So I'm excited to watch the Falcons um, positional value be damned. I feel like everyone just accepted the fact that they were going to take. Yeah, like, come and, and, like, on, it's back, Arthur like, Smith. like they just don't care. Yeah, shame on you if you didn't if you didn't think they were going to do this. But I, I, I agree mean, with also, you. It's like, fun. He has a he has a billion dollars. Like, do you think he's going to care if if something's a little bit of a uh, you know, you're not maximizing your return on something? Right. It's a little bit of a vanity pick, but that's fine when you have a billion dollars. And I think that this offense is going to look good. And here's the problem usually with the running back picks, or at least the last high profile one, which I I think is Saquon Barkley. The Giants' offense just stunk. So it was very obvious that that was a bad pick. I don't think that's going to be the case with the Falcons. I think they're going to score a lot of points. And I think Robinson is going to play a big role in that. And it's going to look more like the 
the Todd Gurley draft pick, which no one was complaining about the Todd Gurley pick like four years into that. No one started complaining until he got injured. So I I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to look like a, a terrible pick like it does right now in, say, two years. Five years from now, we might be looking back and being <laughs> like, why didn't you take like Nolan Smith or somebody like that? But yeah. for right now, they're the Falcons. Who cares? <laughs> like, what were they going to do with that pick? Well, the other thing is that they are going to, you know, he will he will get a lot of use and it's not enough to completely flip the the value discussion but part of if this is obviously um Joe Shane and, and Brian Dable didn't make the Saquon pick but I'll just use the Giants now as an example it, there's a little bit of of attention in that that style of offense I mean think about what the bills have looked like. They hate running the ball. And now the giants, obviously because they have Saquon and because Daniel Jones is not Josh Allen have leaned into that more, but you're still coming from a system that doesn't, that wants to be passing the ball. The Falcons don't want to pass the ball. The Falcons, the Falcons would love nothing more than to just give, give Bijan 30 carries a game. Like they will use him in a way that, is not going to even out the value conversation, but maximizes what value he can provide. And in a draft class that people weren't super, super psyched about, you can't make the math look pretty on it, but the football's going to be fun. So no complaints here. Yeah, but we do have a lot of complaints about the, the Lions. Which brings us to, yeah, exactly. Um, so running back investments by the Detroit lions in, in recent days, uh, weeks, months, $18 million to David Montgomery. Um, they have Deandre Swift on the roster and then now the 12th overall pick, uh, on Jameer Gibbs, great player, but just not a, a high value position and not something that they really needed. Um, and then we couple that with the fact that later on in the first round, they took Iowa linebacker Jack Campbell. So two non-premium positions. What are you guys doing, Dan and Brad? This, I, I, I can't explain it. Like, it's, it's Dan Campbell uh, pushing the, the meathead bit a little too far for me. Like you guys built the offensive line. You built this running game that was working with basically spare parts at running back. Jamal Williams was like, he obviously had a great year last year, but he was available when the Lions got him. You don't need running backs to take advantage of that offensive line. I think it, it was a misstep, not only just based on positional value, but the fact that they passed up on a quarterback to do it. Like say what you want about Will Levis. I, I think even if he wasn't a good player, you'd get more out of him on his rookie deal than you are going to get out of, out of Gibbs, who is an undersized running back with the 12th overall pick, like an undersized running back at a position of attrition, a position where players have a hard time staying healthy and you take an undersized player. I, this has a very good chance of backfiring in a hurry. I'm starting to wonder, like I'm starting to have all these, all of these questions about what, what pieces of the LA philosophy Brad Holmes actually brought 
because the hallmark of how they build that team is a huge emphasis on premium positions and positional value. Um, Another piece of their recent front office philosophy has been Jared Goff's not it. (laughs) And it seems like Brad has taken the opposite tack. He missed that part. He he got out of there before before they came to that conclusion. When he left, the Rams were all like, Jerry Goff is great. And then he leaves and they're like, okay, let's get rid of Goff. Let's pawn him off on that guy. <laughs> that roster is still in, in good shape. And look, they could do some stuff um, tomorrow and Sunday to uh, sort of balance the scales a little bit. So I don't want to be too harsh because obviously a lot of things have gone right there. But um, yeah. The the bit seems to have come to life in a bit in a way that's a little bit scary. We've created Jack a Campbell, monster. I Jack Campbell sounds like he's like a, a draft pick from like 1965. <laughs> you don't draft Jack like a little in the slow. first round. You don't draft Jacks in the first round. That's my rule. That's that's my positional value. That's, who is the last I, who's who's the NFL's last great Jack? I don't even know. Like Jack Youngblood, isn't that a name? I think that's a combination <laughs> of names. Yeah, that works. That works. Jack Campbell. It is really like he sounds. He sounds like he uh, the leader of a ragtime band or something. <laughs> Sorry, this poor guy. Again, wish him well. Great. Uh, we can wrap up, but. You want to talk about the Eagles a little bit before we go? Um, I feel like we have to. Like what happens when you uh, draft actually exciting defensive players? All from Georgia. They're just rebuilding the Georgia defense. I think Roger Goodell needs to step in and force them to draft Stetson Bennett. Just to throw the vibes (laughs) off a little. The vibes are too good. We need to take the vibes down. Force them to draft Stetson. That would be really funny. You just, yeah, you can't, you can't go halfway quarterback factory. It's back on. (laughs) They're going to beat Alabama. It's going to be really exciting. Um, but you know, as much as we could Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith's looking pretty good. Howie, howie, howie's done it again. I don't know how they always do this, but, um, I actually kind of do, which is just that they saw a great college defense and went, let's draft all of those players. I want that. And, and they're, they're like restocking positions. They're getting the, this great value in both of these spots, but they're, they also have backups for when Brandon Graham retires, when Fletcher Cox retires. Cause that's Fletcher Cox was talking about retiring this off season. Yeah, all those Brandon Graham was talking 30s. about this off season. So even if they're only playing bit parts next year in two years, they can just step right in. You have cheap replacements. Howie, Howie Roseman is the best GM in the NFL. The thing that's funny about it is that the only thing that can get in the way of him doing this is just another team doing it, which seems like the type of thing that would happen because the players are really good and yet no one else does it. It's just like, oh, Nolan Smith is falling to the Eagles. Duh, of course. But anybody else could have done it. I mean, the same thing happened with Carter. And and obviously the off the field stuff is significant there. But it does. They're just there. There are always those teams 
Philly. I think the Ravens kind of fall into this category too. You just, you, you finish the draft going, well, that made sense. Um, and they didn't take Jack Campbell. So they sure didn't. I'm sorry. Jack Campbell does not to be deserve to be. He's a very good football player. It's just a weird pick at 20. Uh, he does not deserve to be catching the number of strays that he's catching right now, but it's Brad Holmes's fault. So don't yeah. blame me. But yeah, I, I mean, the Eagles, what do you say about the NFC at this point? It just seems like the, it's the Eagles to win or the Eagles to lose. And there isn't a team close to them right now. And the gap got wider tonight, which is amazing considering where they were in the season, what they had going into the draft to come out with two of maybe the top 15 players, maybe top 10, depending on how you feel about Nolan Smith, just another masterclass. And I think this off season, this was the off season they needed the last time they went to the Super Bowl. And I will say that we were having the same conversations about that their draft. Then like they Andre Dillard looked like a, a great left tackle and he fell to them and he was going to replace Jason Peters. It's the same narrative, but these guys, I think are better than Andre Dillard and the film was there and they were, they were viewed as top 10 picks all along and they got them at, at valuable spots. I, they had the best night, like even better than Gino Smith, even better than, even better than Anthony Richardson or the Colts getting Anthony Richardson to fall to them. This, they had the well, best night the Colts, and they're a team that didn't need a good night. The Colts, the Colts just kind of lucked out. Right. I mean, I think right, Richardson yeah. there is, is really, really great for them. I was worried about them just because of the possibility that whatever was happening at two and three, it just seemed like there was at least something in play where either they would get goaded into having to move up or they would wind up with just sort of the last of the four and, and be forced to take someone. Um, it seems like they were genuinely really, really excited about Richardson. Uh, I think seeing him, seeing what he can do with Shane Steichen is really, really exciting. And that all seems to have worked out really well, but it just sort of felt, fell that way. And, and they lucked out. It feels like, I don't know. It always seems like the Eagles have like pulled off a heist or something. They're like the new Patriots where every time the Patriots made a move, you're like, Oh, what's Belichick up to now? What does he know that we don't know? And that's, that's what the Eagles are. I also want to give a a shout out to uh, shadow GM, Kyler Murray, by the way. (laughs) He got his man. He did get his man. And he and he traded back up, but he essentially traded down to do it. He moved down three picks and he picked up a first round uh, first round pick next year. And he picked up a third round in this year's draft. Great, great, great first draft for GM Kyler Murray. He's killing yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got to wonder if Monty Housenford is, is feeling a little bit of feeling that very new seat, getting a little bit warm with Kyler waiting in the wings. He's having to give up draft picks because he called Jonathan Gannon at an inappropriate time. I mean, they're making deals with the Eagles. It's all, I don't know. I don't know. Seems like you've got a GM in waiting sitting right there. Just making trades. It's getting Paris Johnson. It's all good stuff. I'm happy for Kyler. Um, You mentioned that the Eagles are like the new Patriots. I do have to say, kind of vintage Belichick performance. Or honestly, not vintage because we're not mad about whatever he did. But <laughs> trades down kind of screws the Jets in the process because 
the Steelers are able to come up and take Broderick Jones, um, jumping in front of the Jets who wanted to tackle. Uh, and then they wind up with Christian Gonzalez, who just seems like a great fit for them. Pretty good day for Bill or Nike or whoever's at the controls there. Didn't fall for the uh, the Will Levis trap. He could have taken Will Levis there. Uh, yeah, I really think that was a good draft for them. And they needed one, too. It's been a while since we've looked at a first round pick of the Patriots and been like, oh, yeah, that's a no brainer. And I think Christian Gonzalez, I thought he was the best corner in the draft. I think he is definitely the best fit for New England based on uh, size and, and play type. He's a man cover corner. He's yeah. long. He's big. He's athletic. He's he's aggressive. I That's a perfect fit. I think Bill Belichick is going to turn him into a superstar. I love Witherspoon, but I'm glad that like I wouldn't have if if the situation had been reversed and say Gonzalez is off the board because um, I think most people had those two as, as corner one and corner two in some order. Right. I wouldn't have been as psyched about Witherspoon for them, even though I think he's great, but they just don't need another kind of slight corner. Right, yeah. Um, and I do think that some of the concerns, uh, even though they're mild because Gonzalez is great, but some of the concerns about like a little bit of tackling and a little bit of just like, is he over aggressive and a little bit undisciplined? It, that's, that's stuff that where coaching really matters. Um, and the yeah. size is there, the traits are there. So I, they had a, you know, wasn't like an Eagles draft or anything, but pretty, pretty good draft in New England. Good stuff. Belichick's back. I'm, I'm not ready to say that yet. He's awake. He finally He's woke awake. up. <laughs> he woke up from his slumber. <laughs> Somebody woke Bill up. Uh, anything else we should cover before we get out of here and, and get ready for round two? Uh, no, we got we got uh, GM Kyler, executive of the year. Uh Bryce Young. We didn't talk about Bryce Young. Should we talk about the top pick? I, I, I've talked myself into it. I've talked myself into it. It was a good pick. Oh, it was a smart pick, and I think he's in good hands with that coaching staff. I think the offensive line is going to protect him as long as he stays healthy. I, I, I don't think the Panthers are going to regret this. This was a good day for Panthers fans. What, Keep what happy. changed your mind? Was it just all that that you know, all of those heartwarming? packages on tv see everybody hugging you see everybody happy no i wrote an article about him and i was like <laughs> I, I talked myself into him you talked it was like my, my it was like my own island episode and I, I i was on uh bryce young island by the end of it did you see how many people were in the panthers draft room yes too many i'm like kind of surprised they didn't let you in there it, the pick would not have been Bryce Young if i was let <laughs> in there I, I just said i talked myself into it but i would have i no one was leaving that room if unless it was Anthony Richardson on that ticket. Well, and I know you've always said that if you got an hour alone with an NFL owner, you could come away with a million dollars. Like it, it really seemed like they were giving out passes pretty, pretty liberally to that space. I don't know, Stephen, this might've been a missed next, opportunity. Next year, next year. I'll do the, uh, I'll do the podcast from the Panthers war room next year. I did notice that. Um, I think it was on David Tepper's computer in the like line of, of monitors that they had. There was a sign that said, happy birthday, mom, which was very cute. The handwriting was very bad. Are you saying the hand, that whoever uh, whoever wrote that did not pass the S2 cognition test? Well, I'm, I, I, it, it implied that it was it was on David Tepper's computer. So I was like, is this David Tepper's handwriting? It's really messy. But maybe I have messy I, handwriting. 
I feel like I'm being really mean on this podcast. So I, like the way that I feel right now, it's going to turn out that that some sweet child like wrote a note and it just happened to be on that computer. But where my mind went was David Tepper has poor penmanship. The name of that sweet child, Bryce Young. <laughs> this has been the Ringer NFL show. I'm Nora Princiati. He's Stephen Rees. We will be back on Saturday after the draft is all wrapped up. Sheila Capadia will be joining us for that show. That'll be a lot of fun. Thank you, as always, to Isaiah Blakely for production on this episode and to Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal for additional production supervision. 